Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up the Bible here this morning, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word here this morning, Lord. Anoint it, give it life. Lord Jesus, as the song says that we just sang, the Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to hear your word, to absorb the word, to chew on the word, to digest the word, that the word will impact our hearts and our lives, Lord God. We need the Holy Spirit to make this word come alive in our hearts. So I need the Holy Spirit to help me to speak right now, Lord. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to listen right now to what's going going on because lord the holy spirit will help us to see things that the human eye cannot see the holy spirit will help us to understand things that the human mind the carnal mind cannot understand lord so we need your holy spirit right now lord and we welcome you into this place in jesus name we pray we also pray for all those that are online right now god that your holy spirit will be with them in their homes, in their kitchens, in their cars, wherever they're at, Lord Jesus. Help, we pray that the Holy Spirit will just help them, Lord Jesus, to focus on your word, that there would be no distractions at home, Lord God, no phone calls, no messages, no interruptions, Lord God. Help us to focus on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Very good. Okay, Second Kings chapter 22, verse 1 and verse 2. The Bible says this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adaiah. She was from Boskath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Isn't it beautiful when the Bible tells us that someone was faithful to following God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength? What a beautiful testimony. And here we have this young man by the name of Josiah, who the Bible says was a faithful follower of God. Now, in the past few months, we've been looking at the lives of certain individuals and learning some important lessons about those who faithfully followed after God, even under adverse and hostile conditions. We looked at the life of King David when he was a young boy and learned that, or teenager, I should say, and we learned that he was a neglected son. Okay, He didn't have a, a, a healthy upbringing in his home. He came from a family where, sadly, he was considered the runt, not really important or significant. He was considered like invisible, not qualified, least likely to succeed, last one picked on the team. We learned that he was overlooked and ignored by his dad, Jesse, when the prophet Samuel invited Jesse and his sons uh, to a special dinner that was dedicated to sacrifice to God. Jesse didn't bother to even invite his youngest son, David, to the party. And we talked about how sad it feels when you're not invited to the party, when you're left out, when you look, when you feel like you are just totally invisible. Yet we learned that in spite of his difficult circumstances and family life, even at a very young age, as a teenager, David chose of his own free will to dedicate himself to following God and committed himself to being faithful to God. And we learned 
that you may feel that you are isolated and alone and that no one will ever notice or discover you. But we have to remember that God has the ability to take you from a low place to a high place. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. God, you are special to God. You may feel like you're not significant or special to anyone, but you are very special to God. Secondly, we also looked at the life of Joseph. And we learned that Joseph's situation was the complete opposite of David. David was the neglected son of his father, Jesse, but Joseph was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. Joseph was given everything a guy could want, and we learned that he too, at a very young age, freely and willingly chose to dedicate himself to following God and committed himself to, the faith, to be faithful to God. And he had everything a person could want in life, but he learned at a young age that the only real and meaningful and faithful relationship was his relationship with God. God, everyone else and everything else of this world is insignificant when you compare it to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you guys hearing me this morning? Don't get all twisted up with this world. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the only one that will never let us down, church. Today I want to begin at Uh, looking at the life of another individual who also happens to be very young when he makes a commitment to follow God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And his name is Josiah. That's a text that we read this morning. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1 and verse 2. Let me read it again. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedida, daughter of Adaiah. She was from Boscath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. First of all, what does the word or the name Josiah mean? It means healed of the Lord or the Lord will support. Let's remember that name. The Lord will support. How many of you know that when you're on God's side, you have his support? Can you say amen, church? How many of you are glad that you're on the Lord's side today? Josiah means the Lord will support or healed of the Lord. So right off the top, the Bible tells us that Josiah is eight years old when he became the king of Judah or the southern kingdom of Israel. At this time, sadly, Israel was divided into two sections. The northern section, which was named Israel, and the southern section, which was named Judah. And Josiah was the king of the southern section, or Judah. I also mentioned before that Judah was made up of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And northern Israel was made up of the other ten tribes. And I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that the reason why Israel had been divided was because Solomon was because of Solomon's sin, Solomon's compromise, Solomon's disobedience, and Solomon's rebellion against God. Let me show you a picture here of Israel, how it was divided into the northern and southern kingdoms. If you look at this picture here, that hopefully is on your screens there at home, and yet you can see here at, at church, you'll see that the northern kingdom is green colored, and the southern kingdom is the orange color. So here the Bible tells us that Josiah was eight years old when he became the king of Judah, which is the southern part or the orange part of the map. Now, just out of curiosity, 
I can't see with these glasses. Do we have anyone that's eight years old in church here this morning? Anyone here that's eight years old? Anyone at all? No one that's eight years old? Is there anyone that has a child that is eight years old? Anyone at all here that has a child? What is going on with our eight-year-olds? Okay, anyways. Now, uh, real quickly, real quickly, let me see. I think the youngest ones that I see right now, I see Emmanuel way in the back. And Emmanuel, what's your friend's name that you brought with you? AJ? Okay. How old are you guys, like 12 or 13? Oh, wait a minute. I saw Vincent earlier. Vincent, how old is Vincent? Seven. Okay. Vincent, I want you to stand up. Stand up, Vincent. You guys won't be able to see Vincent on camera. Okay, there is Vincent, okay? Vincent, just try to imagine, Vincent. You know what? There was another king of Israel. He was, guess how old he was? Seven years old. Can you imagine? Vincent, can you run up here really quick? Come on up here really quick. Can you please go around over here on the side? On the side, on the side, on the side, yeah. Okay, come on over here on the side, okay? This may be a little prophecy here. I don't know. Okay, I'm not a prophet, okay? But can you imagine God saying to Vincent, Vincent, you're going to be the next pastor of the Chatsworth Foursquare Church. Come on all the way here, Vincent, all the way up here, buddy, okay? He is seven years old. Stand right there. I can't stand too close to you, okay? Hopefully the cameras will see you. All right, very good. Isn't he a handsome young man? You know what? And if he keeps coming to church, Vincent, I want you to know, if you keep coming to church and you keep following Jesus, God is going to do some amazing things in your life, my friend. Amen? Very good. Go ahead and have a seat, Vincent. Okay? So it was an eight-year-old boy that was a king, anointed as king of Judah. You guys getting this picture? As crazy as it sounds, the Bible tells us that he was only eight years old and he was anointed as king of Judah. But the one thing that Josiah had going for him was that what it says in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 2, it says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It does not matter how old or young you are. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter your culture or your background or your education. If you do what is right before the eyes of God, God is going to bless you. I want you to understand that. Josiah, even at the tender age of eight years old, was fully committed to our God. Now, we're going to discuss his accomplishments next week. But this week, I want to focus on how shocking and amazing and unlikely it is that Josiah was one of the most righteous kings in Israel's history. The reason why it's so shocking and so amazing that Josiah was a righteous young man committed so much to God was because of his background, because of the dysfunction of his family. It was more than just dysfunctional. His family was evil. His family was corrupt. His family was grossly and disgustingly and sickly and satanically evil and corrupt and dark. That's why it is such a miraculous thing that this young boy somehow, some way, got a hold of God and he became a righteous king for Judah. 
As a matter of fact, I'm going to read certain verses right out of the Bible, and I would have to say that the stuff that I'm going to read right out of the Bible would make this a rated R sermon. I'm just giving you a heads up right now. That is how sick and evil and dysfunctional Josiah's family was. Our text for this morning is 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. And it says this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedida, daughter of Adaiah. She was from Boskath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. But let's go back one chapter to learn about Josiah's dad and his grandfather. Let's read how he grew up and where he grew up and the conditions that he had to deal with when he was growing up. If we go to 2 Kings chapter 21, 2 Kings chapter 21, which is one chapter back from where we were just reading right now, I want to read that chapter because it's going to describe for you the kind of family that Josiah had. It says here, Okay, the first one that it's going to mention is Manasseh. Manasseh is Josiah's grandfather. The second person that it's going to mention in there is Ammon. And Ammon is Josiah's dad. So it's Manasseh, his grandfather, and Ammon is his dad. And we're going to read about them because this is where Josiah grew up. Manasseh, his grandfather, was 12 years old when he became king. Same age, I think, as Emmanuel and... What's your friend's name again, Emmanuel? AJ, very good. Okay. Is that how old you guys are? 12 or 13? Oh, you're 10 years old. Man, I got you way older. Okay, very good. You're only 10 years old. Okay, so you got a couple more years before you can become a king. Okay. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother's name was Hephzibah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He also erected altars to Baal and made an Asherah pole as Ahab, king of Israel, had done. He bowed down to the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. In both courts of the temple of the Lord he built altars to all the starry host he sacrificed his own son in the fire practiced sorcery and divination and consulted mediums and spiritists he did much evil in the eyes of the lord provoking him to anger he took the carved asherah pole he had made and put it in the temple of which the lord had said to david and to his son solomon in this temple and in jerusalem which i have chosen out of all the tribes of israel i will put my name forever i will not again make the feet of the Israelites wander from the land I gave their forefathers. If only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them and will keep the whole law that my servant Moses gave them. But the people did not listen. Verse 9. But the people did not listen. Have we heard that before somewhere? But the people did not listen. Parents, have you ever said that to your kids? But the people did not listen. Manasseh led them astray so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord said through his servants, the prophets, prophets, Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these detestable sins. He has done more evil 
than the Amorites who preceded him and has led Judah into sin with his idols. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am going to bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. I will stretch out over Jerusalem the measuring line used against Samaria and the plumb line used against the house of Ahab. I will wipe out Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and hand them over to their enemies. They will be looted and plundered by all their foes because they have done evil in my eyes and have provoked me to anger from the day their forefathers came out of Egypt until this day. Moreover, Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood. We're talking about children's blood that he filled Jerusalem with from end to end, beside the sin that he had caused Judah to commit, so that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. As for the other events of Manasseh's reign and all he did, including the sin he committed, are they not written in the book of the, of the annals of the kings of Judah? Manasseh rested with his fathers and was buried in his palace garden, the garden of Uzzah. And Ammon, his son, succeeded him as king. Now Ammon is the father of Josiah. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. His mother's name was Meshulameth, daughter of Haruz. She was from Jotpah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. He walked in all the ways of his father. He worshipped the idols his father had worshipped and bowed down to them. He forsook the Lord, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. Ammon's officials conspired against him and assassinated the king in his place. Then the people of the land killed then the people of the land killed all who had plotted against King Ammon and made Josiah, his son, king in his place. As for the other events of Ammon's reign and what he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? He was buried in his grave in the garden of Uzzah, and Josiah, his son, succeeded him as king. Church, I don't know about you, but with that kind of a family and that kind of a background, it is a miracle that Josiah is a follower of God. Are you guys getting this picture? So this is Josiah's background. And I think all of us understand, reading how horrible this is, that it is a miracle that Josiah turned out to be a righteous king. 2 Kings chapter 21 tells us that Josiah's dad and grandfather desecrated the temple of God. Let me highlight certain sections of the, section of the scriptures that we just read. 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 3 through 7. I mean, that's like, the wor- that's like me bringing in all kinds of false religions and false courts, cults and psychics and sorcerers and, 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 and Satanists into the church and, and letting them on this pulpit and letting them preach from this pulpit. I mean, he did like the worst thing that you can do. 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 3 through 7. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He also erected altars to Baal. And made an Asherah pole, as Ahab, king of Israel, had done. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem, I will put my name. In the two courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his own son in the fire, practiced divination, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. This was all happening in the church. Inside of the temple of God. 
he took the car of the Shira pole he had made and put it in the temple, verse 7, of which the Lord has said to David and to his son Solomon, in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. Can we show that map once again, please, up on the screen? I want you to notice on this map that in the southern kingdom of Judah is where Jerusalem was. Jerusalem, it's hard for you guys to see here that are in church, but Jerusalem is a second dot south of that brown or orange spot that you see there. That's where the temple was, okay? In the northern kingdom, what they did is Jeroboam, which was the first king of the northern kingdom, he was smart. He says, I don't want the people in the northern kingdom to be influenced by the people of God in the southern kingdom. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build my own temple. He built his own temple in the city of Bethel, which is north in the green area there. Okay, So the people of Israel, they weren't even worshiping God in the temple anymore. They weren't even sacrificing to God in the temple anymore. They, they, from the very get-go, the people in the north, they were all messed up. That's another story. I don't even want to go there right now. But I just wanted to let you know that the people in the north were worshiping God in Bethel in a false temple. And the people in Jerusalem were worshiping God in the true temple. But now this king, these kings were corrupting the temple. I want to highlight a couple of other things concerning Josiah's grandfather and his father. 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 2, the Bible says this, He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 9, I want to highlight this. It says this, But the people did not listen. Manasseh led them astray, so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Let me say that again. They did more evil, more evil, than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Again, in 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 11, let me highlight that. Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these detestable sins. He has done more evil, more evil than the Amorites who preceded him and has led Judah into sin with his idols. The Bible tells us that King Josiah's father and grandfather did more evil than the nations that the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Josiah's dad and grandfather were hardcore Satanists. They made gangbangers look like altar boys. They made drug dealers look like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. They made thugs look like Sunday school teachers. That's how evil and wicked they were. For God to say, that Josiah's dad and grandfather were worse than the Canaanites that were driven out by Joshua and Israel is a horrifying thing. Josiah's dad and grandfather were involved in the most sadistic and evil and dark and wicked lifestyle known to man. Are you guys following me so far? This is how Josiah grew up. This was what was happening in his, in his house. And whenever you have Baal worship or Asherah poles, it always involves sexual perversion and sexual sin. I'll let you guys research Baal worship. I'll let you guys research uh, Asherah poles and what they're all about. Okay? You guys can do a little bit of homework for yourself. So here's where it becomes rated R. I'm going to read right out of the book in the book of Leviticus chapter 18. Okay? In the book of Leviticus chapter 18. 18, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 18. It says this, okay? 
So I'm going to read Leviticus 18, which describes for us the things that God was specifically telling the Jewish people not to do. And the Bible says that Josiah's grandfather and father were doing things that were worse than this that I'm about to read right now. He was worse than this. Starting at chapter 18, verse 1. I need to read it so that you can get an understanding of what we're dealing with here. How crazy this stuff is. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws for the man for, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Now remember, Baal and Asherah, they're, um, they're, they're sexual promiscuity gods. No one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. I am the Lord. Do not dishonor your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. Do not have relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your father's wife. That would dishonor your father. Do not have sexual relations with your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was born in the same home or elsewhere. Do not have sexual relations with your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. That would dishonor you. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter of your father's wife. Born to your father, she is your sister. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister. She is your father's close relative. Do not have sexual relations with your mother's sister because she is your mother's close relative. Do not dishonor your father's brother by approaching his wife to have sexual relations. She is your aunt. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. Do not have sexual have relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife. That would dishonor your brother. Do not have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter. Do not have sexual relations with either her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter. They are her close relatives. That is wickedness. Do not take your wife's sister as a rival wife and have sexual relations with her while your wife is living. Do not approach a woman to have sexual relations during her uncleanness or her monthly period. Do not have sexual relations with your neighbor's wife and defile yourself with her. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That is detestable. Do not have sexual relations with an animal and defile yourself with it. A woman must not present herself to an animal to have sexual relations with it. That is a perversion. Do not defile yourself in any of these ways because this is how the nations that I am going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled. So I punished it for its sin and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native born and the aliens living among you must not do any of these detestable things for all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you and the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, I, it will vomit you out as it, it vomited out the nations that were before you. Everyone who does any of these detestable things, such persons must be cut off from their people. Keep my requirements and do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord your God. Not only did Josiah's grandfather and father defile God's temple and defile their own family with corrupt sexual practices, but they also sacrificed their children to Molech. Leviticus 18.21, 
which was part of that section that we just read. It says this, Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. What does the Bible say about Molech? In Leviticus chapter 20, I need to read that now. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. There's a whole chapter, but I'm just going to take the first three verses. It says this, The Lord said to Moses in Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, Say to the Israelites, Any Israelite or any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Molech is to be put to death. The members of the community are to stone them. I myself will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people for by sacrificing his children to Molech. He has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. And 1 Kings chapter 11, listen to what Solomon did. Solomon is responsible for the deterioration of the nation of Israel. 1 Kings chapter 11. Let me read that really quickly, please. 1 Kings chapter 11. It says this in 1 Kings chapter 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Remember, I talked about the parasites. So number two, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God. As the heart of David, his father, had been, he followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, remember the Asherah poles, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Those are the ones that were sacrificing their kids. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as did David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifice to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. What a sad thing, church. God appeared to Solomon two times. And yet, he allowed himself to become corrupted. We got to guard our hearts. Every single one of us in this building right here. All of you that are listening right now that are people of God, you better protect yourself. You better stay close to God. Because this can happen to any of us. I've seen leaders in churches, powerful leaders in churches, and they've gotten all messed up. People in this realm of power and wealth and evil and satanic practices are very dangerous and they affect the media, they affect politics, they affect the distribution of wealth, they affect our education systems, they affect the distribution of food and water around the world, they affect the economy around the world. They purposely and intentionally tap into the satanic realm of evil and darkness. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? We are not talking about little little sissy gangbangers here. We're talking about the elite that are in power of nations. And they intentionally tap into the satanic realm of darkness. Intentionally. With purpose. This is why you hear of people like Jeffrey Epstein. He had it all, his own island and he would invite certain people and they would do crazy Evil stuff there. He was worth uh, $559 million the last I checked. He was a, ended up a convicted sex offender. And he ended up 
either committing suicide or somebody killed him in prison. Some people think because of what he was involved with, he, got, he, he, got, he was on the hit list. They killed him. Because he was part of something that they didn't want to be exposed. How about Harvey Weinstein, the film producer? He's also a convicted sex offender. There are people who believe that the Bush family, which is Republican, and the Clinton family, which is Democrat, uh, that these families are involved with evil, secret society organizations. Whether they are or they aren't, that's insignificant to me, but that's what people say. These are people of high political wealth, power, and authority positions. You guys understand? These are families that are tapped into evil stuff. Listen, the devil does not care if you are a Republican or a Democrat or a white or black or brown or oriental or rich or poor or educated or uneducated or cute or ugly. The devil's goal is to take you out. He doesn't care about your agenda or who, who, who you're shouting hurrah for. He wants to take you out. That's his only agenda, and he'll do it in whatever way he can. But here's the thing that is important about evil people that are in power and have tremendous wealth and influence and who want to do harm to people and especially children. The Bible says specifically that Josiah's parents, he spilled innocent blood. That means that the blood of children was running rampant in Israel, in Judah, in Jerusalem, sacrificing kids, slitting their throats, get, drinking their blood, pouring out their blood. It was a mess. The Bible tells us, regardless of how powerful these people think that they are, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Let me say that again. You, dear children, are from God. And I don't care how powerful the devil thinks he is, and I don't care who he's got in his pocket, you are children of Almighty God, and you have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's, when, that's why when people talk to me about all these conspiracy thing, things and all these satanic things and all these evil things and all this, all this stuff that's going on with the pandemic and, and is it a setup, and it doesn't matter to me. You know why? Because God is in me. And God says, I got this, Jerry. The devil may be running rampant and out of control with all of these protests and all of this violence and all of these businesses falling and everything getting all crazy and ridiculous and and defunding the police we may have to see all this but it doesn't matter greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world we are of god little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world it does not matter how powerful these evil people may think they are our god is more powerful our god is more powerful and he will always be more powerful you don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be intimidated. We don't have to feel insecure. We don't have to feel like what's going on. No, no, no. God is on our side, church. Let's get that into our hearts. I'm not saying it's not real. It's real. The battle is real. People are dying and getting sick and being sacrificed and kidnapped. But you know what? God is real, too. And the church is still the church. Josiah's grandfather and father were kings. 
These people were kings. They had access to tremendous wealth and power and authority and influence. You got to get this picture here, church. You got to understand the impact of what I'm saying here. They were kings. They associated with people of other nations with tremendous wealth, with tremendous power, with tremendous authority, with tremendous influence. And these people wanted to keep their power. And they would do whatever they needed to do to keep it. The realm of evil and darkness that they maneuvered in was at a level that many of us, most of us, the majority of the world will never understand. We're not going to be able to understand what we're really dealing with here in terms of politics and economy and wealth and power and these people that have these systems going on. This is a type of dysfunction and horrible evil that Josiah grew up in. I want you to get this picture of what Josiah had to deal with and the pressure that he was under to follow in his dad's footsteps, to follow in his grandfather's footsteps, and to bow down to the powers that be that were pressuring him as the new king of Judah. You guys getting this picture? This is the type of dysfunction that he was dealing with And yet the Bible tells us in spite of all of that dysfunction, in spite of all of that evil, in spite of all of those powerful satanic forces that were going on all around him, the Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, Josiah was 8 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Boscoth. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. And that's what you've got to do and that's what I've got to do in spite of the evil and the darkness of his grandfather Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord in spite of the evil and darkness of his father Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord in spite of how dangerous it was for Josiah to defy the powers of darkness that inf- and, and that influence and control the realm of evil in high places Josiah shunned them so Josiah pushed them away so Josiah turned his back on all the wealth all the power all the evil all the satanism all the corruption he turned his back and he says I'm going to follow God And I say this, all of this to say this. There are some of you listening right now that live in homes where there is a lot of dysfunction and evil activity going on. And I'm not here to deny that it's not going on. It's going on. It's in your face. Evil, awful, terrible, painful, ugly stuff is going on in your house with your families, with your parents, with your aunts and uncles, those of you who have a history of, uh, of, of your family being involved with gangs or being involved with drugs and you, you have these genealogies of, of corruption and crime and criminal activity and prison and murdering and all this madness and it's in your face. 
Some of you young people and children see your parents always loaded on dope. Some of you have been abused physically or sexually. Some of you have, hear your parents fighting and cursing are, and, and they are very violent and, and you're in very dangerous environments. You see your dad beating up on your mom. You see your dad taking off with other women. You see your mom sleeping with men that are not your dad and, and you are in pain because of divorce or abuse or molestation. You are in fear and terror because of the violence and the constant threat of death and murder in your house. You may see your parents involved with witchcraft and healers and curanderos and psychics and the Zodiac. Many of you know who Greg Laurie is. How many of you have heard of, have heard of Greg Laurie? He's a pastor of the Harvest, the leader of the Harvest uh, Ministries, Crusades. He has multiple church campuses. And I'm sure most of you have heard his testimony. He often shares it on the radio the, when I listen to his program when he was growing up. He didn't know who his dad was. He lived with his mom, but his mom was an alcoholic. He lived with his mom, but he would see a variety of men coming in and out of the house. And she was sleeping with, that, with, with these men. And, and he saw all kinds of awful stuff as he was growing up. Greg Laurie grew up in a very dysfunctional and terrible home environment. He saw things and experienced things that were horrible and that no child should have to live through. You guys following me so far? We're talking about homes and families and lives that are in total and complete dysfunction and chaos and evil and crazy. But you know what? Greg Laurie one day surrendered his life to Jesus. He put his trust in Jesus Christ. Whether you come from a wealthy family that is involved with evil and criminal, satanic and dark activity, or whether you come from a very poor family that is involved with evil and criminal, satanic and dark activity, it's the same devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It doesn't matter. The devil does not care who you rah-rah for or who you humdrum for or who you stand for. The only thing that can stop the devil is the cross. The name of Jesus. You can hoopla all you want, but the only thing that's going to stop the devil is the cross, the blood of Jesus. You can stand for whatever you want, but the only thing that's going to make a difference is the cross, the blood of Jesus. The cross and the blood of Jesus breaks every curse, every stronghold, every demonic genealogy, every curse. It breaks it completely. You want to be free? Trust Jesus. You want to be safe? Trust Jesus. You want to be protected? Trust Jesus. If you're trusting in this world, your money, your wealth, your position, your gang, your violence, your murder, your, 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 your whatever it is that you're trusting, your guns, your knives, whatever, if you're trusting that, you're going to be in hell, my friend. You will end up in hell. I don't care how rich you are or powerful you are or how many politicians you got in your pocket or judges or whatever. If you don't have Jesus, you're going to end up in hell and the devil wins. The only one that can set you free is Jesus. You've got to go to the cross. He's the only one that can break those strongholds, those genealogy, those genealogy curses, all those traditions, the powers of hell that are holding your family in bondage and with addictions and with corruption and all kinds of darkness and chaos. God Jesus Christ is the only one that can break that. 
I don't care how messed up your family or your life is right now. First John 4, 4 says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Our God is greater than your family's poverty. Our God is greater than your family's wealth. Our God is greater than your family's power and scope of influence. Our God is greater than your dysfunction and whatever problems you may be having, any addictions, any curses. Our God is greater. You and I don't have to be intimidated by that powerful, wealthy, influential, and dangerous forces of hell and the devil. Do what Josiah did. Turn to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Surrender yourself to the Lord. Humble yourself to the Lord. Submit yourself to Jesus, and he will lift you up. He will begin to turn things around for you. He's the only answer, church. Yesterday, today, and forever, he's the only answer. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that the people will listen. Help the people to listen to you, God. Time and time again, you say, the people would not listen. The people would not listen. The people would not listen to reason and to the truth and to the reality of God and what he can do for us. Help us to listen. Help us not to be guilty of so many generations of souls that refused to listen. Help us to listen to you, God, and to do what's right. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand and we will pray. You are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Just lift up your hand. If you're online right now and this message has touched your heart and you're hurting and your family is all tore up, listen, I know that that pain is real. I still remember when my dad would come home, he would be drunk out of his mind, and he would beat up on my mom. It was sad, sad for me to say this. He would kick her out of the house. It was terrifying. I was just a little boy. It was terrifying to see that, growing up like that. It's a horrible thing growing up in a home where evil is out of control. If you have parents or families that are into drugs or into gangs or into violence or into murder, into heavy-duty heavy, heavy duty corruption, man, it's scary. That's a scary realm to deal with. But God can set you free. You can do what Josiah did. Josiah turned his back on all that madness, and he chose to serve God. And you know what? You can do the same thing. Just pray this prayer with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm ready to surrender to you. I turn my back on my old life and I surrender to you. I open the door to my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to come in. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins cleanse me. I come to the cross and to your blood 
that will set me free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, you're free, my friend. The chains of bondage are broken. The curse is broken. Whatever was holding you back is broken. You belong to God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to feel insecure. God is with you. You belong to God. And he's going to protect you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those right now that are struggling in their faith, in their walk with you. Bless and encourage them. Help them to stay strong. Help us not to lose focus. Help us to realize and understand that, yes, the battle is real. All these dimensions of evil are real. But, God, we have to take our stand as a people of God and understand that we have power. We have anointing. We have authority. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be afraid. We are God's powerful people. We belong to you, Lord. Help us to walk in that. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. God bless your church. If any of you need any personal ministry, you feel free to come on up.